0: black girls hill podcast where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders and trauma and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others every episode we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth i'm sheena lachey love addiction coach and trauma specialist let's begin Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. So you are going to hear two intros to today's episode, this one and one you're going to hear in just a few moments. And I am recording an extra intro because I wanted to say at the top of the episode before I got started, that if you clicked on today's title, or if you're a regular subscriber... I just wanted to really emphasize that I think today's topic is going to be good for everyone. So today's topic is therapeutic separation with emotionally neglectful partnerships or with neglectful partnerships. I'm going to talk more about what that means, the way that I'm defining it, and why I'm talking about therapeutic separation specifically for those couples. And again, in the actual intro, but I want to share at the top that I think this is something for everyone to listen to, whether or not you're a single whether or not you are in a partnership with someone that you are not happy with or you're in a partnership with someone that you are very happy with. Because as always with the topics that I share here, there's a lot of overlap. So an episode for a situation that you may not have personal connection to because of the themes of trauma, because of the themes of showing up for yourself, because of the themes of really being clear of what you want and what you need being vital for the next steps, you can take from that topic what you need and leave the rest. And for this topic, I think there are many people who need to hear it, but don't really know how to get access to this information, don't know how to get access to validation for this. And so, even if this episode is not for you, there may be someone that as you're listening to it, you think about how you want to share it with someone, and you're going to hear me really. Really encourage you to share with someone else at the end of this episode, too. And even if this is something that you do not feel that you need, you actually might need the seeds that you hear here for a similar situation around this topic or something related to it later on. So that's also going to be really good for you. But overall, my hope is simply that this episode is a resource to those that need it. So I'm going to stop now and allow us to jump right in the the room kind of sounds like there is an echo or like the room is empty this room is not empty but when I recorded different types different times of day it can sound like that so that's just a head up for the audio change but that's it for now let's go ahead and get started thanks for listening to this week's podcast before we get started let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. With the crazy heat waves we are experiencing this summer, especially here in Texas, it can be hard to stay fresh while you're out and about. And that's why I've incorporated the Honey Pot's Foaming Wash and Wipes into my daily routine. The Cucumber Aloe Honey Pot Wipes provide a quick refresh when I leave a day of errands and head to a girl's night with friends. If you're heading to an outdoor concert or festival, the Honey Pot Wipes are a must to keep you fresh between the fun. Both the Foaming Wash and Wipes are plant-derived, backed by science, dermatologist-approved, gynecologist-approved, and hypoallergenic. Get 25% off your first order from Summer. That's T-H-E-H-O-N-E-Y-P-O-T dot C-O slash summer to get 25% off your first order and join the hive today. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope that you're all doing so well wherever you are. If you have clicked on today's episode title because of a current chapter that you are in and decision that you feel needs to be made, I'm sending you all the compassion that I can because I know that you have arrived at this place with much effort and much thought, perhaps much prayer, maybe a lot of advice. And so, I just want to not only send you compassion, but also encouragement because I trust that you are doing this not only for your own personal health, but I'm sure for the health of all those who are connected to you. So, today's topic is about how to do a therapeutic separation. So, usually, when people talk about therapeutic separation, it is because people are it may be in therapy and you are on the, on the verge of divorce and you are you know, ready to pull that plug, but you're just wanting to check out separation to see if some space is what you need or if this is just a step prior to you officially pulling the plug. Sometimes it's in domestic violence situations and this is part of a safety plan and this is your way to exit. The perspective I'm going to teach from today, though, in regards to therapeutic separation is for all of the women who listen to this podcast, where you hear me and I'm sure any other teachers and, and folks that you pay attention to who who give you insight on trauma or relationships on addictive processes, on whatever, on people who are unavailable, on relationships that are toxic. And from all of the things that you listen to, and even what you internally know yourself, there's a little, there's a little voice inside that's like, this relationship isn't right. Or at least there's something that's really broken here. And I'm feeling so stuck. And I just want things to get better. But With everything that you hear, you don't feel brave enough to actually end the relationship. So when you hear me or someone else talk about, cut it off, they're not available for you, they're not the right fit, move on to find a relationship that you deserve... There's a part of you that's like, yes, but yes, I get what you're saying, but we have been together for so long. Yes, I get what you're saying, but this is actually someone who's my best friend for so long. Yes, I get what you're saying, but we have kids together. It's not that simple. Yes, I get what you're saying, but what if I divorce them or what if I break up with them and it's the wrong decision and I regret it? And so you making the decision to just have space for yourself feels so, so monumentous and so huge and as if it's something that you can't undo. So you don't want to make any decision at all because you're too afraid of making a mistake. And meanwhile, the cost that comes with that is that you continue to feel stuck, depressed, overwhelmed, anxious. You continue to struggle in your self-worth. If there are children and other people around, they get to see that and they also experience the impact of that. And just so I'm clear for anyone who's listening to this episode that I have recently talked to about this and you're like, is this for me? Yes, it's for you. But when I tell you this is this happens. This is happening to so, so, so many women. Yeah, I may have talked to you about this recently, but I've talked to five other women where this is the case, that they are in relationships with people who are not pulling their weight, who are hurting them emotionally via neglect, and and, and they are just getting more and more drained and more and more depleted. So in order to validate that this decision it's not that easy. It's not as simple as, well, if you really loved yourself, you would do it or, you know, be independent or you don't need them. Because when you love somebody and when you've committed to someone and when you've invested so much into a relationship and you see the potential and you've had good moments and you you have faith, you're not going to want to just let that go. You're not going to want to just let that be a lesson that you learned in life without fighting for it. Right and it it gets messy. And so I wanted to offer something that's in the middle, something that could be a clear next step for you that is not as not as cut and dry as we're breaking up, or I got a lawyer on the phone, or whatever else. But this is something that is therapeutic for you to literally have some space to let your nervous system come down for you to be able to think clearly. Because when you're constantly in this barrage of constant slights and crises and you had a conversation and you're hopeful it's going to work out, but then something else happens later on that makes you feel unsafe and you're trying to decide, is it a me thing? Is it a them thing? You literally can't think. You can't see. You can't see the forest through the trees and you are you start to adopt that you're the problem. And that is also a common thread that I hear in every single relationship is every woman thinks that she is the problem. And even if you are the problem, the problem with that is that usually, or at least in all the circumstances that I have heard, that there are two people in this relationship And you are taking blame for things that are not your fault, which is also why the problem is persisting because you are trying to fix things that you did not create. And so, having some space to catch your breath and to figure out what is right for you and what is true for you is going to help you figure out is this worth fighting for? Is this savable? And if so, how do I need to show up and what is it that I need to be able to fight for this? Or for some of you to figure out that. You have been staying in something for so long that actually has been the source of the problem. And you getting out has been the answer, but you needed to take a step to kind of see that you can live on your own, that you can be happy, that you can that you can choose you and everything work out okay and that the world will not implode, which is what it feels like sometimes when you're stuck. So that is the perspective I'm gonna take this from. So this is not going to fit for people who are in a domestic violence situation where you do need an actual safety plan. This is going to be more for people who are in relationships with partners that are emotionally neglectful, maybe financially neglectful, physically neglectful. Basically, they have been showing signs that they are not as invested in this relationship as you are, um, that you've been feeling disvalued, taken for granted, You've had all the conversations, you've had all the therapy appointments, you've had all the prayer, you've, you've had all the pastoral appointments, you have listened and done all the self-help books, you bought all the laundry, you have done all the sex tricks, you have done everything that you can to focus on your part and also try to help them too, and practice forgiveness for them too, and practice space for them too, and it has not worked. And you are feeling demoralized and it is getting harder and harder for you to go on. This is my suggested next step for you to catch your breath in the form of a therapeutic separation. So let's go ahead and get started. So even though I already said this in the intro, um, or at least I alluded to it, the reason why this I'm calling this a therapeutic separation or it is a therapeutic separation is because the separation is not because you're trying to punish anyone. It's not because you're trying to teach them a lesson. It's because mentally and emotionally you are crumbling. You cannot function. You cannot see straight. You cannot sleep at night. You are having trouble eating. It is affecting every single pocket of your life, the impact of this relationship and how it has eaten at you for so long between work, again, like I said, sleep through your health, your body image, whether or not is you gaining a lot of weight, losing a lot of weight, how you take care of yourself or don't take care of yourself, how you feel about parenting, if you have kids, how you feel about hanging out with people. A lot of times when you're in this type of relationship, even you showing up in your friendship and your community relationships starts to go away because you feel embarrassed that you're going through this. So, you know, who wants to answer the normal, what's been going on with you questions with friends when it comes to your relationship and all you have is more trauma and drama. And then also not wanting to lie because you are you want your partner to not look bad, you know, so you start to distance yourself from them. Also, like I said, these types of relationships greatly affect your self-esteem because to be in a relationship with someone who is not treating you as the prize that you are, that's been taking you for granted, it eats at your soul. And so it's hard for you to take care of yourself or even want to do good things for yourself. And if anything, a lot of your focus goes towards how to, how to fix this partnership. How do I make this better? How do I invest in and keeping everything straight not realizing that what you're doing is not working not because you're not trying hard enough but because you have another counterpart who may be sabotaging it or intentionally not meeting you where you are so it's therapeutic for you to separate yourself out of the situation for you to have a break in your nervous system to be able to think and function emotional neglect and emotional trauma Impacts your ability to function. Sadness, depression, anxiety affects your ability to show up in the world. This is not a superficial decision that you're making just because you're disgruntled or just because someone didn't buy you enough flowers, which that's usually part of it too. There is a whole 360 holistic impact of what happens when you are in a partnership that is draining you. When you are in a partnership with someone that you are not only mothering or parenting, but they resent you for doing that. So not only are you doing all this extra emotional labor, not only are you sacrificing your needs and your wants, you're also to to make them comfortable, to make the relationship comfortable, to keep everything going and all of the stress and the turmoil and the trauma that comes with just doing everything on your own, literally in every aspect. Then you have pushback from it. Then you have someone who punishes you by either not participating or throwing a wrench in the plans or just, you know, half-heartedly agreeing to something or making excuses why something won't happen or promising to help you with something and then they don't do it or just looking at you and treating you like you're just another regular person versus someone that they pledge to love and connect to and take care of. All of that stuff. As people who are designed to be loved and cherished, again, I'm going to keep saying the same phrases repeatedly because I need you to understand how crippling that is and that you're not making it up and you're not, it's not that you're not strong enough. Um, it's not that, you know, you should have listened to X and X when they told you don't depend on nobody else and only depend on yourself. Like maybe there's a lesson that I can get into on a deeper, on another episode about that topic. But more so is the fact that the environment that you're in is actively working against you being able to feel any type of self-value at all because of all the things that I said. So it's not even that, well, you feel bad because your affirmations aren't working or the therapy that you are going to, the therapy sessions aren't really clicking in. You know, all the meditations that you're doing, like nothing is working, not because you're not trying hard enough, but because you're in a hostile environment. and. Your body, your mind would really benefit from the space to just breathe and think and, and catch your breath and recalibrate so that you can decide if I'm going back, this is the energy that I'm going back with this is what i'm asking for this is what i'm prepared to do to compromise and meet my partner this is how well this is what's going to make me feel self-actualized and make me feel safe when it comes to being in partnership with them so that i'm also not resentful and i'm also not depressed and so i can't even bring my full self into this also if you are in a situation which um, is also so common If you're in a situation that's not only emotionally neglectful, but also there's a high financial impact either by your partner not working or they are working, but they are not contributing to what's been going on. They have been acting as if you are a burden and that you're just mooching off of them, that there's been any type of financial abuse, neglect, infidelity, whatever. This is going to be so important for you to catch your bearings on finances. Now, you may think you may think if you're someone who has kind of toyed around with this or even contemplated like a full, like permanent separation, whether or not you're married to that person that means divorce or, you know, having a full breakup. You may have been tempted to not do that because you've been looking at the numbers and looking at how nothing is adding up and that there's not never enough. But the gag is the reason it's not enough is because you're in a relationship with someone who's financially incapable. You're in a relationship with someone who is not financially invested in the in the movement, in the growth. So again, whether or not it is their own financial addiction like gambling, overshopping, overspending, over debting, whether or not they are not working, and so you're the one who's covering all the bills. Whether or not they are working, but they are hiding money from you, they are being stingy, they give you an allowance sometimes, or you go split 50-50, like on everything, and they have a whole lot of extra money that they can contribute to the household that they don't because fair is fair, and you know this is a partnership or whatever things that they are saying, you need to have space and separation for you to get bearings on a situation that you have not had any control and power in. When someone is financially unfaithful, deceptive, manipulative, and abusive, that is absolutely, I mean, all of these things are things that affect you, but that is absolutely so devastating because it affects your longevity. If there are kids, it affects the kids, whether or not there's resources for them whether or not it's present resources or resources in the future, what you're able to do, it impacts decisions down the road if there's accumulating debt that's going on. So you being able to stand on your feet and see that you can because you had a whole financial life before this person and you had your own ups and downs and roadblocks and unemployment and loans and debts and all this stuff and you always figured it out. So it doesn't make sense that all of a sudden you have another grown person who's part of the equation and all these problems that you've been able to work through and fix your whole life are now insurmountable. Like when we look at, when we look at this formula, when we look at the equation, what is different? What, what has been added? What has been changed? Because if anything, having multiple incomes should make things easier. They should make things better. And they're not. So, so it's also therapeutic because financial health is a part of your mental health. It is a part of your emotional health. It is a part of your spiritual health. If you don't have safety, when we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the first level is what? Clothing, shelter, food, water, right? And if you don't know if you're going to have the money to pay for these things or to feel safe and secure in your own home, Or you have so many things that you have to cover and take care of because if you are with someone who's living in excess because of gambling, overspending, whatever else, like that is shocking. And especially if it's things that you don't want to pay for, but you're having to to bail folks out because bailing them out is actually bailing the family out. And so if you don't bail them out, then you feel like everybody suffers you having a break from that and taking care of the family is really going to help you and let that person take care of the family. So I'm actually, there are some real things that I was going to also suggest, but since I just mentioned that, let me, let me go where I want to go with that when it comes to, let's say you do have shared children, minors, people that you take care of, parents, older adults, like maybe you don't even have children, but There is an elder that y'all take care of and or that you take care of, (laughs) because if you relate to what I'm talking about so far, you're the one who's taking care of them. Even if it's their parent or their elder, you're the one who's more, more in charge of this, most likely. But you being a kind, compassionate, loving person that you are, you can look at this and be like, that's another reason why I cannot separate or whatever, because what's going to happen to them? And so here's here's the thing. If these are actually your babies, your children, and you are wanting to stay to try to overcompensate for that person, those children are going to feel the effects of their partners, of your partners, of that other parents neglect, no matter what you do. They're either going to feel it in the home with you being depressed and you getting deeper and deeper to where you can't even take care of them. And then the finances are all out of whack and the whole house is in distress until finally a decision is made beyond your control like you don't get to make it, but life makes it for you. So either that's going to happen or that person is going to learn via life circumstances that they need to be in charge of themselves. And you staying to try to overcompensate and fix things is not going to make it better. They're going to continue to be irresponsible. And so you cannot save them or cushion or protect your children from that person's inability to show up. And I know that's sad. And I know that Everything that you've been doing in the case of these minors or elders has been to try to shelter everybody, but everybody sees what's going on. Everybody sees, and if anything, the children, the older they get, the more they're gonna see it, and the more sad they're gonna get, the more depressed and anxious they're gonna get, the more they're gonna feel like they need to step in and help mommy, save mommy, fix things, and you're just gonna build little people who become codependent. That's so much, that's many of our stories. What well, your kids need more than anything. Is a stable home where where they know what to expect, where they have boundaries and rules and safety and provision and resources that are not all over the place, that they have consistency. And right now, if you are listening up until this point and if you're nodding your head and relating to this, they have not had that consistency. You giving them consistency is you giving them a safe space to return to where they have a break from all the drama and the trauma. So yeah. Especially if there are minors in the picture, which you may need to co-parent with somebody else. Right now, they are in a disruptive, hostile, emotionally setting 100% of the time. And what you may, and I know I'm jumping towards, I'm talking, it sounds like I'm talking about like a full-time thing. But even if this is like split 50-50, if they get a break from the craziness and from not knowing what to expect and like the fights or the tension or the, you know, they can't do things because there's not money for it. Or, you know, what's been, what is being provided for them is being held against them. And they feel like the tension of the fights and the lack and whatever, you're giving them a a break from that 50% of the time, which is amazing. It is amazing. That is such a gift. And that gives, them, that gives them the juxtaposition to see how things can be and that respite is possible and that they can exhale and not have to live in that 100% of the time. It is a gift, y'all. It is a gift to get your children out of environments of neglect and abuse. And I know so many people don't make moves because they are afraid that they're going to harm people. But I hope that the way that I just explained it lets you know that the harm is already being done. And what everybody needs is to have a break from it. And same thing when it comes to elders. You know, if you're a caretaker, that is so much that there there needs to be more support for us as adults who are taking care of parents, elders who can no longer take care of themselves because not only is it a full-time job, it's like a double triple job, not to mention the emotional tax and an impact of you having to be there emotionally for them if they are struggling with dementia or something else that takes them out of their their sanity and being able to be lucid and if they get like angry and like abusive or something like that like then add that onto it like it's so much but my feedback is going to be the same that if anything they need a healthy you you know that is one of the things that I remember and I've said this before But that's one of the things that the NICU nurses told me when I gave birth to my son. And I was starting to struggle with some symptoms of depression because I was trying to do things and hold up to standards. And they were like, your son needs a healthy, happy mom. And they couldn't have been more right. And that is what has helped me be the North Star for my son. Because I can see, y'all, he knows better than I do sometimes. Just with the slightest Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
0: When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it. Clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in, and also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. Hey, uh, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors change of my tone or if my eyebrows, y'all, if I could feel that my eyebrows are in a different direction than they normally are, his little face would look at me and turn and be like, what's wrong, mommy? Like these kids are so tuned into us because we are their whole world. And so when we are happy and when we are safe and when we are taken care of them, when we're taking care of ourselves, and that is what makes our kids healthy not when we are living in deprivation and martyrdom and, and taking one for the team. If anything, we just teach our kids how to also be in neglectful relationships and take one for the team to never show up for themselves. They cannot be self-actualized if they do not have examples of what it looks like in front of them for someone to be a happy, well-adjusted adult, with good relationships, who speaks up for their needs and has joy and has pleasure and can resolve conflict and can also, you know, take care of themselves. Like that's what they need to see from you. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real, genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, uh, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. So this therapeutic separation is therapeutically healing, is healing. It is also temporary. That's why we're saying separation, not breakup, not divorce. You get to decide what works for you and what doesn't. Now, here goes particulars for what I would suggest if this is a situation that you have been struggling with, if all the little qualifiers that I've already shared have been like, yep, that's me. I can relate to that. Or it is sparked, you're connecting to it for another reason, but you're like, this is absolutely what I've been going through. You know, a lot of people, you know, live in roommate situations or um, family situations and everybody's in the same household or whatever else. So here are my suggested steps for you and the reasons why. And of course, you're an adult, so do what you want to do. But here's my suggestion. The first one is uh, the first question or thing for you to consider is how long is the separation going to be? That's going to be the question that the other person asks, and that's going to be a question that you say. And I'm going to suggest for at least, at the minimum, 90 days, 90 full days, at least for you to plan and say, I'm going to start, let's let's start with three months, okay? Three months. Here's the thing about starting with three months It gives you enough time to go through all the griefs and the ups and downs. It gives you enough time for you to get through all of the things where the person is trying to, like, get you back or shame you or whatever. It gives you enough time to establish a routine. After 90 days, you know, things are not going to be fixed, but you're going to be right barely, like, barely at the cusp, like, probably on day 82, 85, 88 is gonna be the day where you're like, Huh, I can exhale. <laughs> like, I'm not exhaling that you feel like you got it, but like you'll start to feel the emotional relief before that, like way before that, which I'll talk about in a minute. But when I say like in the worst case scenarios of a person like trying to come back and forth, especially if there's like kids who are a part of this and like you're trying to like, you know, get through the financial distress of doing the separation, if you've been the primary caregiver or one of the Financial caregivers and doing this all on your own—that's like a couple cycles of bills for you to be like, "Oh, okay, I, I haven't been, you know, I haven't had to go to a homeless shelter or I haven't had to do this. Like, okay, this is actually going to be okay. That's why—that's why I say at near the end of the ninety days, not because you're going to be running back to them within the first couple of weeks because it's going to be too hard. The truth is, you've been carrying the household and the family this whole time. You've been the one who's been emotionally invested in leading the relationship the whole time. You're the one who has the emotional faculties and the self-awareness and the insight that's been pushing you to do all this work, the self-development work, to look at yourself, to communicate, to go to therapy. Girl, you have nothing to worry about. You're going to be good. And the reason you've been staying is because you've been worrying and trying to overcompensate for this other person. But the last thing you got to worry about is whether or not you're going to make it you got this, you, you've, you've had a whole extra child. And, and if you don't have any children, you've had a whole extra child. If you have been relating to what I've been sharing so far. So I suggest at least 90 days. Cause it's also, it's, you know, it's a short period of time. 90 days will come and go like that. It's going to be so quick. And I think it is like the least amount of time for those of y'all who are scared and who are anxious and who feel like you can't do this to to kind of catch a whiff of what this is like and, uh, and see that you can, okay? So that is the first thing. I'm going to go ahead and jump into... How to have this conversation with them, even though this was not the next thing on the list. But I'm gonna say because I'm sure that that's like that's not. Sometimes when you, you sometimes when I teach things or when other people are teaching me things and it's something that's really good, and then I get a question in my head and it's hard for me to listen to the rest of it until that question gets answered. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 but here's the question that I have. Uh, I think that that's one of the questions. Well, what do you even say? And again. You have most likely had a million jillion conversations with this person at this point. If you are someone who ascribes to everything that I just shared, these are the most communicative, loving, compassionate, uh, mature people in the world, wise people in the world who have done everything they can to try to give this relationship and give this person a fighting chance. You've had a million conversations, and uh, so you oh, I, I'm gonna have to say a whole lot of things at once. You are not going to hit them off guard, they are going to know that this is coming. Now, here's the catch if you are on TikTok. Maybe this is not a corner of TikTok that you are in, but, you know, I have a corner of TikTok or social media where there are therapists who are like couple and family therapists that I may follow. And one specialty that's been coming up a lot for me the last several months has been this area of wives who are feeling disgruntled, who are feeling really taken for granted, that they are feeling depleted for all the things that I've already said. And they've done everything. They finally have are at a place where it's time for them to go. And they're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to be able to literally live in this anymore. I can't take another minute. And so they tell their partners they're out. And what all of these therapists say and what i've also seen myself is their partners will frantically call the therapist to say we got to get in and when they are in session they will say well i don't i never heard this and i don't remember this and when they get confronted on that the actual answer is well i didn't think that it was that serious like I knew that she was talking about it but I just I thought I had more time I didn't think she would actually leave what do I need to do these people are taking advantage of your kindness of the fact that you will give a threat and not take action on the fact that you have been acting afraid on the fact that you have not been actually showing up in your value they have absolutely been taking advantage of that and so if you are trying to gear yourself in a place to where you say it in the exact right way and in the exact right delivery to where they have no confusion about it to where they completely understand to where they agree that is not going to happen because the nature of the neglect is tuning you out is not taking your needs seriously is calling your bluff that's literally what's underneath all of this in the first place So you trying to say it in the right way is because you are a good girlfriend, is because you are a good wife, is because they've had an amazing prize and thing in front of them that they have not been taking full advantage of. Like they've been taking advantage of it, but they have not been appreciating you for everything that you are. And that's on them. But you wanting to come in good faith is amazing. But what I'm trying to tell you is do not base their response of whether or not they accept it or whether or not they start to beg you and say, okay, you're, okay, this time for real, for real, for real. No, 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 no. It's going to be them just buying more time. Remember, this is a therapeutic separation for you, for you to catch your breath. I am not at all against if a person is actually committed to the process and making things work and showing up for you as a partner then go back and get them girl get them be happy let that be a testimony share that with other people who going through hard things do that but right now there are two things at stake one you are depressed You are mentally unable to function and you need a nervous system reset for you to be good and actually come back and fight for your relationship, first of all. Second of all, to my original point that I just shared, you've already had a million conversations with them and... This whole pleading, give me one more chance, give me one more chance, is just buying more time. And then what happens for those of us who've kind of bought into that is we start to feel our own internal shame and guilt because we're like, man, I should have left when I said this, and I told them I was going to do this, and I didn't do that, and I look so stupid and so silly. So if I tell them I'm I'm actually going to do it this time, they're not going to believe me. They're going to call me my bluff, and it's not going to work because also part of it, you're doing it for yourself, but you're also hoping that they will chase after you. You're hoping that it will trigger something in them that turns back on the fact that they married or that they are committed to a good thing, so they should actually fight for it, like you're kind of hoping that will be the response. So if they give that to you, if they give you the lip service of it, that buys them, what, another three months, four months, six months, a year, two years, of you, like, saying, well, you know, they said that that they're gonna try, and words are cheap and words are easy. Sometimes we pay too much attention to the fact that someone will sit there and listen to us complain and listen to us cry and say, I'm so sorry, baby, at the end of it, and I'll try better. And that's all they got to do to keep you quiet for a little bit versus actually being the partner that you need them to be. And at this point, my mental health is so bad that I can't even depend on you to be the partner that I need you to be. I need to be the partner that I need right now so that I can function. And then... You also need to figure out what you need to do because you've gotten to this place because of your own character development issues, because of your own insecurities, because of your own lack of respect and lack of value of me, of women, of whatever, like whatever's going on with you, what you think a husband should be, what you think a partner should be, what you think a boyfriend should be. You got to figure that stuff out on your own. And I need to be able to see that that's actually what's happening, right? And that is actually going to follow through. So many of y'all, and when I say y'all, I mean us, because I've also absolutely been I've been on the side that I'm speaking to y'all for, which is why I can also, in addition to the hundreds of women that I've supported, go through this. Your girl, <laughs> most of the stuff that I teach y'all about, I've had to learn myself. And I've had to have friends and loved ones and other people hold space for me while I learn these lessons the hard way sometimes sometimes. What I've learned helped me avoid future problems, but the reason I can speak to this so so passionately and so clearly and concisely is because I've not only survived it, but I've thrived through it. And most of, if not all of, the thoughts that you are thinking are thoughts that I had to conquer and work through and heal from and life has been so much better on the other side. So many of y'all who, you know, follow me on social media or have seen me in real life, and especially long enough, you you all say when you see me, girl, you're glowing. You look so happy. Girl, I sure am. Like, I am. I had, I had to choose me. And choosing me did not leave me destitute. It did not leave me alone. It did not leave me suffering. It left me happier, more expansive, more in joy. I got my body back. I got my mental health back. I got my emotions back. I got my fun back. I got laughter back. Y'all, what you feel like is just more loss. Is actually more gain. And until you experience it, until you step your toe out to just see you don't believe it, because you're so you're so blinded by feeling the amount of time that this has been going on, but you're so blinded by X amount of years, months, days of disappointment, of you getting your hopes up and you expecting and seeing all the pieces and how the pieces can align to things working out and they never do. And you have all these years of you starting to believe that you're the problem or that something is impossible for you and you learning how to settle, becoming an expert settler. So when someone tells you that life is so good or that this is possible or that this is available for you, you don't believe it because you've been disappointed so long before. And um, you also don't believe in yourself. That person that was able to stand up for herself, show up for herself, take care of herself has been chipped at for so long. And... This happens when we are in relationships with nice people who do not treat us with love. I'm not gonna say that they don't love us, but I will say they don't treat us with love. And that affects how we feel about ourselves and it affects our mental health. So the way you tell them is you say, Whatever you need to say, follow with. I want a separation, not, I think I need to get one. I mean, if you hedge on that, then, you know, I understand that for many of us, we are just starting to use our voice. So we may do all that filler language and apologetic, and I'm so sorry. And so I would encourage you not to, just to start practicing showing up for yourself. But if you need to, or if you do it automatically, you you say you're not going to do it, and then you add it in, because I I definitely added in things that I wasn't going to say, but I was so afraid of be mean that i you know to blame for things and stuff that was not my fault but i encourage you to say i i want a separation for 3 months and then for us to come back together and revisit this so 90 days so that's what i would say at minimum now here's the thing that i'm going to say about the transition now Oh, okay. Another one where I just got to say several things to illustrate this point. I would really encourage you that if financial neglect, abuse, infidelity, irresponsibility is part of this overall functioning I want you and I would strongly encourage you to be prepared mentally that you are going to be the one that's going to bear the impact of this financial of the financial strain that's going to come with this. It is not fair. It's not fair at all. But literally, that is the core nature of the problem, that you are with a partner that has not been pulling their weight and being fair with the finances. So the longer that you wait until, or you try to like figure it out and say, well, this is going to be really hard, like I can't do this. You know, if you are working, if you are lucky enough to be in a situation where you still have access to employment, because I know sometimes... Sometimes that's not the case. And I know that's more domestic violence situations. And I said I wasn't going to focus on that for this episode. But So I'm assuming the majority of women who are listening and this is your situation that you're working. That means that that person is going to do everything that they can to make it hard for you. If they cannot get you to feel bad about your decision and say you are totally catch me off guard, or I'm trying, or I told you I was going to start going to therapy, I just can't find a therapist that I really like and it's so expensive. And you know, I you know I talked to my coworker about it and they understand and that you know my coworker is really trying to help me out. And you know, and then I'm you know I'm going to church again. and I, I watch the service and you know, pastor, you like really got into it. Like all the stuff, all the stuff that magically comes out when you are trying to call their bluff. If that doesn't work, if that type of emotional manipulation, guilting, shaming doesn't work, then they are going to start throwing wrenches into your plan. So do not expect them to go half on breaking in the lease. Do not expect them to help pay for movers. Do not expect them that if you're moving out that you actually have to move locations, that they are going to help you with all that. I want you to start thinking now because this is also how movement has been stopped in your relationship not only financially if you can relate to this there have been so many other ways that they have put monkey wrenches into your plans for self-improvement for betterment for for vacations for health changes like they have sabotaged a lot this is just par for the course and because money is related to the safety and security it makes it very scary but or it makes it like bigger, but this is something that they have always said and they will always do. So I want you, this is the phrase that I've been avoiding, but. Is the only way that I can get y'all to think in this mindset for it to be clear is I want you to think about how would I navigate this if I was in a relationship, if I was in a roommate situation with someone uh, and they weren't like paying rent and everything. Like, what would I do? And I'm single. What would I do to work through this? Would I stay in this rent in this lease upside down with them? being able to, you know, decide if they're going to pay for it or not pay for it and, you know, cause destruction to the property and everything else. What would I do if I had to get out and get out quickly? Do that. That's what you need to do. If you have a shared mortgage, I would, before you even have this conversation with them, you need to have your plan of action planned before you tell them about this therapeutic situation because you're not dealing, you know, what's different about this situation versus that aligns with domestic violence situations, even though your life is not physically in danger, thank goodness. Not immediately in danger, actually. Let me, let me, that's, I'm about to go down a whole other trail. But what makes the difference between, the difference between this and other couples who are having, problems and they are working actively working through it is that in those situations you have two people who are working on it yeah they may still be fighting yeah they may not be on the same page but we have two adult people who are communicating about what they need they're trying to get back on the line of compatibility and working together but they're both pulling their own weight And this situation that I'm talking about today for a therapeutic situation, therapeutic separation, when you are in a relationship that's emotionally, mentally, financially neglectful and and depriving, you know, whatever the right word is. I can't remember the word I used earlier. You are the only one who's fully invested in there. And you are dealing with someone who is petty, spiteful and vengeful. And was really sad and I, uh, you know there's another friend that I had have <laughs> who went through this situation last year and she reached out to me because she knew what I had gone through and she was like well what's your experience and I and I told her about it and I told her like what to expect and one of the things that I told her she also shared children with this person um and I said you know I would really, one thing I would encourage you to be mindful of or something that you might be able to expect is that they will start to get vengeful and spiteful about money and about all these other things in order to get back to you, in order to say that it's not fair or whatever, and they will start to be neglectful in these other areas. And that was really hard because hard for her to believe, like she listened, but... I could tell that she was like, okay, good to know, just in case. But because she was dealing with someone who was emotionally immature, And did not have the emotional intelligence and awareness to take up for themselves and take ownership for themselves and to think critically. All of those immature actions is what came out. So again, with you being someone who is self-evolved, you're trying to think about their point of view. and You're trying to weigh their emotions and you're trying to be as gentle as possible while still for the first time and probably a very long time making a decision for yourself. You're still trying to be accommodating because you love them and also because you are a good person, have a good heart, and you would expect that this person who's also a nice person, a nice guy, a nice gal, who has never been abusive or anything before and that y'all have mutual love and care, you would expect them to also make decisions out of love or at least not be spiteful for it. And the problem is, the reason why this is happening is because this person is emotionally stunted and immature and they are not able to fully show up in a way that may inconvenience them that may get them to do things that they don't want, that may have them consider you. And especially if you happen to be on the spectrum of relationships, because sometimes it's a quiet, resentful, it's a quiet kind of, I'm going to do my own thing and, you know, I really don't care what you say, but I know that you're going to gripe about it. I know we're going to have a conversation, but, you know, I'll deal with it. You know, I'll, I'll take care of it. And so you can't tell that they're spitefully doing it because they're a nice person, or if it's just like they didn't think about it, or it's just, you know, I'm working on it. But really, between me you and the wall, it, they know what they're doing. You may not believe me right now, but they know what they're doing. Or the other spectrum is they are very overt with their disdain of you. They're very clear and vocal with how much they don't value you, how much you disgust them, about how you're only there for what you can do for them, and you know they're lucky. You're lucky that they're still around because who would ever want you? You know, that could also be part of what's going on too. But no matter. No matter nice guy, nice gal, or someone who is more overtly a piece of trash, that pettiness will come out if you're dealing with someone who is not already at a place where they take ownership for their actions and they give you a whole lot of lip service and a whole lot of promises and a whole lot of other stuff, but they don't actually do anything. They listen to you all day. They'll hold you. They'll go to a session and talk about what they're going to do and why they want to do it, but they never do it the pettiness is gonna come out. So that's why I'm telling you, you need to plan all of this ahead of time so that if they do happen to be fair, if they do happen to not be spiteful, if they do happen to be mature, which even, you know, when you talk about separation, you know, even in the best of circumstances, the person, if they are invested in a relationship with you, they're not gonna be happy. So we're just talking about something that's going to be hurtful no matter what, and then multiply it by 10. know there's just no clear or easy circumstance for this but to finish what i was saying before if you share a mortgage or something make plans ahead of time call the mortgage company see what you can do about pausing payments see what you can do about uh, getting relief go and start talking to churches about getting being a part of their relief plan if you can get them to pay mortgage for a month or something so that it gives you a buffer plan ahead for you to have to cover the gaps of what's going on, and I'm telling you right now, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. I mean, for some of you, maybe it won't be tight, but I think for those of you who are in this situation, you're listening intently, for most of you, no matter what financial place you have been in before, if there have been financial problems, part of the reason you're at your wit's end is because no matter how much you've made or no matter how wise you've been with money or whatever, chances are this person has been causing a lot of disruption and setting you back or setting the family back. And so whatever tight means to you or inconvenient might be a better word for some of you if you have the finances and the funds, but inconvenient, the fact that you have to show up in this way on top of everything else still, again, is going to be unfair and it is unfair. And more reason why I'm really encouraging encouraging you to take a break, to allow this therapeutic separation for you to get your bearings mentally and emotionally and figure out what are your standards? What are your standards for being in this relationship? What is it that you actually want? What is it that you need to see this person do if you're still open to reconciliation before you return back to the home? And not starting it, not getting one or two sessions and that just disappear because, again, you know, you didn't, they didn't, really liked them, or, you know, they said something that wasn't true, or, you know, I need to talk to a man, I don't wanna talk to a woman, or I need to find a black person and that person was white, like all all the BS, or I couldn't go and find a financial counselor because of this, or it's hard for me to get a job, like, you know, I've been putting out applications and no one is calling me back, or, you know, all of of this BS, it does not matter. It does not matter. What you need to listen to is actions, and prolonged actions, not starting off, they need to have their own 90-day probationary period, with whatever changes you have asked for them to do, that they do it fully for 90 days, then we can talk. It is so easy for someone to kind of get the blueprint of what you want and do it for a month or two just to keep you on the line, only for them to go and fall off once you get comfortable and once you start to get back into being emotionally connected to them. Y'all, I don't know if y'all are like me, but once I'm emotionally connected to someone, they get all of the grace and all the forgiveness in the world, even when I'm mad at them. I could be really mad at somebody and be like, I need to do this. And if I'm not careful and I continue to spend, you know, a lot of t- intimate time or whatever around them, I'm going to soften. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's how relationships are supposed to function. When you are intimately connected to someone, I think it is natural for you to not have to live in grudges and resentment and keep your walls up with someone because you've chosen to be connected to them for a reason. And so, of course, you're supposed to soften, but you want to make sure that you're softening and softening in a safe environment that's consistent that you can trust. And anybody can fake the funk for two weeks to a month. Anybody can do that. Especially if you're not currently under the same like roof, they can tell you anything. And you know, people can only fake, especially people who are emotionally immature, they can only fake it for so long before they start to get mad at you and be like, if this is not a true internal change for them to be like i already told you i'm going to therapy i'm, I'm saving money i got a job like why why are you still there you, i know you say you want to do 90 days but like i'm doing everything that i need to like you need to come back home or you need to let me back in the home and then the true colors are going, going to start to show the anger, the abuse, the neglect, the I'm not doing anymore, the manipulation, the guilting you, the shaming you. And luckily, you will have some space for you to see that character and see what's coming out and actually make a clear decision. And if that person does not respond in that way, if they do not turn towards being abusive and petty, but they are actually actually doing the work, then you can re-enter into the situation with more trust and, and more belief because you have seen this is true, and that they are taking care of themselves versus you having to be mommy and you having to parent this adult person and like nitpick them and like and double check their work and micromanage them to try to do what they should be doing on their own. You should only need to worry about yourself, and if you have any children, worry about your child. You should not have to worry about parenting, picking up the messes for, taking care of, reminding somebody who's a grown adult to take care of you and to take care of your family and to take care of the goals and the purposes that y'all have together. That makes no sense at all. But many of us have adopted that because that's what we've seen. That's what we've seen or we've had no modeling of it. And so we're trying to do our best. We're trying to do our part. We're trying to be a good partner. But in our attempts to be a good partner, we have picked up blame and responsibility that doesn't belong to us. Okay, so during this time, what should you be doing during this time? Like, am I just sitting here and this therapeutic separation, twiddling my thumbs, just counting 90 days? No. During this time, you're going to have a variety of the following reactions. Some of you will cry, especially if you're someone who's kind of been teetering on this and unsure about this and you're making this decision with a lot of trepidation for yourself, you're going to cry a lot. Some of y'all are going to think you're going to cry and then you're going to get out there and you are going to be popping bottles. You are, you are going to actually have the physical... Like literally like Cinderella's fairy godmother came and tapped her with that wand and changed that dress. Like, just like that thing was unveiled. Like there's going to be something that lifts from you and you're going to be like, what the hell? (laughs) Like really? Oh my God. And you're going to be able to breathe and have so much clarity and have so much joy. And some of you are going to have a combination of that. And so you grieving what's been happening, you working through this built-in fear that probably existed before this relationship and this relationship absolutely, absolutely enhanced you standing up for yourself and you speaking for something that you want, even when it inconvenienced somebody else, you going through the aftershock of that. Using your voice when you've been codependent for a good part of your life or the majority of your life is physically terrifying. It, it will literally make you shake. It will make you have a panic attack. It'll make, make you have convulsions. You may want to throw up. You may have night terrors and sweats and everything because your body is like, what are we doing? But it doesn't stay that way. It's like, oh, wait, I can stand up for myself and I'm OK and I can I can make it. And then it just allows you and strengthens you to speak up for yourself in more ways and to feel that self-confidence that you may have lost and not have been able to be connected to. So you're gonna do that. And then also you are going to do your internal work to figure out who you are, what you want, and what you like. If you have been in this type of relationship, you have most likely lost sight of that. You have most likely lost sight no matter how high exec, corporation you are, no matter what your accreditations or your accomplishments have been before, no matter you know, if you have always been the most stunning woman that's walked into the room, no matter what, this is no respecter of persons. It gets us all because of the impact of this type of trauma. So you will be rebuilding and journaling and working with your therapist, working with your coach. Hello, I'm here. I'm available. This is what I do all day, every day. Working with someone to help you rebuild yourself. Find what you want. Find what you need. Find who you are and do things differently. That's what this time is for. This is not the time for you to, which I don't think if you are someone who's been tentative about this, uh, but this is not the time for you to go out and date because what you will be at risk of is looking for and accepting someone who is going to be your knight or nitrous in shining armor and because you have not fixed what attracted to you to this broken relationship in the first place you're just going to find someone who looks very nice and neat and shiny on the onset but they're going to be exactly what your partner is. They're going to have different name, different height, maybe different skin color, and they're going to do the same type of foolishness to you that this other person just did. But you're not going to know that because you're getting high off finally getting love and attention and texts and gifts that you didn't give it the other person. So this is not a time for you to date. This is a time for you to date yourself, love yourself, and get help and get healing, get active healing in this. Because if you do not, What's going to happen is you're going to feel spend the next 90 days, if you actually get to that point in time, just going through the motions and there's, there's going to be no internal change and growth inside of you. And you're going to return back to that relationship. And if they even want you, because, again, there's a whole spectrum of what's going on. Some people's partners are nice people. Like, they'll tell me they're nice people, but I'll listen to the story. I'm like, that person is not a nice person. So they may be out there cheating or doing whatever. Or, you know, you'll just go back and just think, okay, well, this is life. Relationships are hard. Marriage is hard. I guess I just have to settle until you physically can't again. And then the cycle continues. So, so no, you need to be doing your own personal work and growth and taking care of yourself um, and getting outside help and support to help you do that. If this is something that you relate to, and especially that's been very hard for you to take care of yourself. One of my mini courses, which you get as part of the recovery school, but if you're like I, I um, that's too big for me to do. I don't think that I'm ready for it, or and it's too big of an investment, or whatever. One of the bonus courses is a course that you can get on your own, and it's called the Love Woman Foundations. But I'm going to change the name to Love Deprivation Rehab, and it's specifically for those of us who have put ourselves last, who have not taken care of ourselves, who don't really know what it is that we want or what that looks like. So that would be a really good first start for you to go and invest in that do the work, learn about those sources of this, where it starts in trauma, why it's so hard for you to neglect yourself, the things that you've been carrying that don't belong to you, how to get rid of them, and then also how to start to love yourself again. In 12 different domains, what that looks like, what it looks like for you to be healthy, what it looks like for you to not be healthy, that is a great place for you to start. So again, it's the Love, the Loved Woman's Foundations, which is the name of the course at the time that I'm putting this episode out, but I will be changing the name depending on when you are listening to this in the future to the love deprivation rehab course and it is you can find it under work with us on it when you go to BlackGirlsHill.org. go to work with us and you can find it there okay there's also a link for those of you who don't know there's a link in all of our show notes that we changed recently well not recently actually actually several months ago at the top of the year or at the end of last year where Every show notes has a link that says can't find what you're looking for. Click here and it will take you to if there was a program that I said three years ago that you're like, that's exactly what I need. And you don't see the link in the show notes anymore. That program should be on that page along with what has been replaced with. So this is the best next thing. This is what it was revamped into. It was merged into this program. This is, is changed to be whatever else that is available for you as a resource. As well so that is it for today's episode we have gone over an hour and oh this is very important I mean I was talking about kids so I guess we're gonna go really over an hour so if you do share children with someone your thought may be and maybe this is something that I need to have a part two for because there's not enough it's not at a time on the podcast episode sometimes but if you have children with them and so your thought is, well, I need to be, If I've, I've followed you up until this point into separating for myself. What does it mean for us to co-parent or whatever else? That's going to be something else that I would want you to have in your mind already what you think is right and fair so that you're not in a collaborative conversation with someone who has not been collaborative before. But now at this very stressful time, you're trying to be fair and try to get their point. Of You expect them to not be open to it so you come up because you're already a fair loving person and you're going to do the right thing for yourself you're going to do the right thing for the kids come up with what you plan to do that's going to be in the best interest of the kids so the best interest of kids is to have access to their parents right and But you know, because you know your situation, you know your family, you know the stability of this person, you know what they are capable of and not. So... That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to get into details. So what is in the best interest of the children and for this person and come up with that suggestion so that you are prepared to when they say, well, what about the kids? Well, this is what I was thinking. And they will most likely fight against whatever you say, no matter how fair it is. If you let's say you did separate and you moved into the apartment next door to them, they would still be like. You're trying to take me away from my kids. Like they, (laughs) there's, it, the, the lack of self-awareness and cognitive dissonance would be hilarious if it was not so infuriating when you're in it, but do not expect to get a, wow, thank you for appreciating me or wow, thank you for making this fair. And I know this is hard or wow, like, yeah, you could be asking for whatever else, but like, I totally see how you're trying to compromise. That will not happen. It will not happen. It will not happen. It might happen if this is a person who ends up actually being committed to committed to their own personal growth and changing and maturing. Then, yeah, the the verbal affirmation, the insight, the ability to see everything that you've given and that you continue to sacrifice for them even in you making this decision for yourself there's no way that you as a loving person are going to do this as fully as selfishly as you probably could or should you're still going to make concessions where you're trying to be fair and this person is not going to realize that and they're not going to be appreciative of it until they do their own internal work which is why it's important for you to make this decision on your own so come up with what you think is fair and then you need to have a basic rule that you only communicate with this person about the kids. I would personally suggest that if you are in partnership with someone who can be emotionally manipulative and is really, really trying to win you back. And remember, this is a therapeutic separation that I should say before we close. This is not you trying to teach them a lesson. You are not trying to punish them. You're doing this because mentally you are crumbling. Emotionally, you are crumbling. You're depressed. You're anxious. You're sad. You can't function. You can't sleep you can't eat, you're gaining weight, you're losing weight, your kids are starting to try to take care of you because they see how mommy is suffering. That's why you're doing this. This has nothing to do with them. It's because you may not be here if you don't do this. So knowing and remembering the reason why you're doing this, that this is not just for them, that this is for you to have some respite. We are going to do at least 90 days, but we're going to do this Making sure that we protect that respite and we communicate with our children because we are respon—we communicate about our children because we are a responsible parent with our co-parents with whatever we need, but not all the other extra stuff. So we already know what pick up and drop off time is. We already know what they like to eat and what they don't like to eat. This would be another thing that if you're anything like me, that you already especially if you're the one who's been, (laughs) which is, I keep giving the disclaimers, but if you're in this situation, this is absolutely you, that you already have been the main primary caregiver. So you know all the routines, you know all the schedules, you know all the allergies, you know the teacher's names, you know the favorite colors, like you know all this stuff. So I would, if I were you. I, and this is something that you felt like you had to do, I would make a whole little sheet or whatever in the same way that you would for a babysitter of what that person needs to know when it comes to the child and be prepared to give it to them to answer all those questions so that you do not need to, so that that person cannot use it as an end to try to say, hey, They need some shoes, what size shoe do they wear? And then say, well, hey, how's your day going? And then because you're a nice person, you're like, it's going okay. And then they try to ask you more questions and then it slips into, you know, we should get dinner together and like, we should just talk and you know, I don't want anything. I just, you know, wanna like, let's talk about our kid or like whatever. And really it's just a ploy to wear you down and get you to come back when you really need these 90 days to reset. You need 90 days to reset. And especially when you think about how long a lifetime is, let's say this is your person. Let's say this is the person that you are meant to be with, with even with all the shit talking that I'm having, right? Like this this is their canon event. This is the event that helps them realize I gotta get my stuff together like you hope that it is. And it's real, cause this happens like for every nine women that they do this break off to, for themselves and hope that the person gets their stuff together and doesn't there's one person that it does work for. Maybe it's more, maybe I'm being pessimistic, maybe being in this work, I see so much and I'm like, these are signs of unavailability. Um, And sometimes people are unavailable because they have not been challenged and they've not ever had the, the, the crisis moment where they have had to make a decision for themselves, or at least there hasn't been anything that's meant so much to them to where they got their stuff together. So maybe for you, that's or for them that's what this is this is the event that's going to say, you know what? I'm about to lose my woman. I'm about to lose my family if there's children involved. I'm going to get my stuff together. So when we think about a relationship being a lifetime, and if this is going to be a lifetime commitment to this person, and to this relationship, three months is nothing. It is a blip. It is so worth the investment for you to have a lifetime of happiness with this person. This reset, this is what's going to save you five or six years of stress and drama, trying to do it the, the hard way or the long way versus both of you being able to to get your bearings and get outside counsel and wisdom and support is worth it it is worth it this i cannot i cannot stress enough how a therapeutic separation for many of you if not all of you who relate to this situation a therapeutic separation truly will benefit everyone to be able to be clear. In the circumstance that I'm talking about today, again, if you have made it this far, there are so many other relationships, relationship dynamics that... A therapeutic separation might actually, you know, yeah, it will help people get bearings, but for some people being in it and being in the same place versus allowing them to avoid the problem and to, and to run from it is what actually will help them to not give them that easy out to separate and then forget each other and make it easier to date other people, to compare and contrast. Like that's a different scenario for this one, for this one, where there's such a heavy impact of the emotional neglect abandonment, betrayal, mental mental neglect, and the gaslighting. And then if there's financial issues on top of it, this is so needed. This is so needed to reset. And so that is my encouragement. Of course, you scan this with people who are available and healthy for you. And this is such an important, <laughs> this is such an important part. Hopefully, if this is your situation, you're still listening. Make sure that your tribe of people Are people who are healthy, well adjusted, and supportive of you. If you need to do a therapeutic situation in a family of people who are used to being taken advantage of other people, who are used to being scapegoated, who are used to, I haven't given genders at all this whole time, but uh, I'll just give it for this for the closing, but they're used to saying things like, "Well, men are gonna be men, and you just have to do that, and that's how it is." These are not the people that, when you go to separate, if you're looking for a place to live, that you go and live with them because they are going to just double down, and now it's going to be multiple voices telling you that you're being selfish, that you're doing the wrong thing, trying to give this person benefit of the doubt. You know, usually when you get to this place where you're making this decision for therapeutic situation, therapeutic separation, you have have done all of the remedies, you've done all the things. And so when you have people who come back and question you and act like you haven't fought for the relationship, you haven't fought to look at both sides of the equation, and they start to make you feel like you're the problem, that is so hard to do. So those are not the people that we're going to go to for advice. Those are not the people that we're going to go to for support. Those are not the people that if we decide that we're going to be the ones to leave, those are not the people whose house we're going to stay at. We are going to, if we need to go on, to Airbnb and find a month long rental, then we're going to do it month at a time. You know, we're going to find what we need to do to take care of ourselves and, and get our bearings back together. And finally, the last part I will say for all this time, is during this time you're going to be seeking your own personal growth and healing right so you're going to be looking for coaches you're going to be looking for healers you're going to be looking for therapists you're going to be looking for teachers that are going to be speaking to what you need to do to heal yourself and I just want to encourage you to practice some discernment around the energy of the people that you take in so for example in the next couple weeks I hope to have someone come well I'm going to make contact with someone that I would like to come on a podcast to talk about decentering relationships. I just really love how they teach about it. And in my path of me, like learning about how different people teach about decentering relationships and finding your own self-love relationship with yourself. I have come across a lot of other people who may have a whole lot of wisdom and insight, but their energy around how they teach it has a lot of negativity it has no matter how they may paint it no matter how passionate they may paint it I can hear and I can see how part of the pain that they've gone through and not only still is not it wasn't only the catalyst for their own self-development and discovery but also it still kind of impacts it you know and so I I have had to practice my own discernment when I look at different teachers and I'm like, okay, with what they're sharing, is this the type of energy that I also want to come from? And so sometimes there may be some people that you take little pieces from and then you leave the rest. And so make sure that you are learning from people that help you glow in the way that you want to because it is very easy especially in the realm of decentering relationships and learning how to take care of yourself you can make the same decision of choosing your own boundaries and priorities and one is coming from a place of happiness and openness and self-belief and knowing that you're worth it and knowing that you are beautiful and knowing that the world is available for you and there's only abundance available for you and that's the energy or you can decide to choose to take care of your boundaries but it's coming from a place of everyone's going to disappoint you anyways and you can't trust nobody and the world is only you're only in it for yourself and da 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 and both and in both perspectives you're going to make a decision that's about your own self-preservation right but one feels a whole lot better one allows you to actually tap into your freedom versus you having to go into yourself and you're learning how to you have to cut off access to certain things because you can't trust because you're actually not trusting yourself you know and so just be mindful of energies uh, when you are selecting the teachers that you want to work with okay an hour and 30 minutes y'all we are done <laughs> well at least we're done for now if i do a part two which i probably will when it comes to married single women and i really want to go into depth we may just have to do like a little mini workshop so that i can give y'all everything, because this was already a lot. And I know that many of you have already been taking notes, but I hope that this is encouraging. Please share this with people you feel like need it. If there was ever an episode for you to share with someone, women are literally dying in these relationships and not just domestic violence situations, but literally these are the types of relationships that cause women to have chronic health conditions that are caused by the stress, that cause them to have depression, that cause them, especially if they are postpartum, like this, when I tell you that this can save a life, when I tell you that I know people who have been in relationships with partners who have been so neglectful that when they were sick, they didn't call medical services for them and that person passed away, like this is a health crisis. So, so please share this episode with someone who needs it. And if you're someone who wants to work together, you have the options of the Love Deprivation Rehab, aka Love Foundations course for your first step, or our recovery school program where you have full access to me, lifetime access, and all the support that I can give you to rebuild yourself, find who you are, and heal and recover from your breakup from your relationship and help you find yourself and connect to relationships in a different, healthier way. And you can find that information on our website, blackgirlsheal.org, or you can go straight to there with the shortcut, therecoveryschool.com. So that's it, y'all. I love you all so much. And I will see you in our next episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently,
1: by using more sustainable practices,